Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Pastor Bob conducts personal interviews with Christian influencers from around the globe, helping Christian authors, recording artists, CEOs, entrepreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and yes, pastors and ministry leaders to get the word out about what they are doing to impact the world with the gospel. Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by ListenNotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau. Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. Is it possible for God to take our mess and turn it into a message? I'd have to say absolutely, because that's my life story. Amen. So many people today are having issues, issues in life, issues in their family, issues in business. Sometimes it can get hectic and seem totally out of our control. But if we're honest, the Lord's still speaking to us, right? He's urging us to turn it all over to him. He can handle it. I guarantee it. But there are some that can Put these events, put these emotions and these feelings into stories, stories that that rivet us to the character and allow us to see things through the eyes of another. By doing so, this allows the Lord to reach a part of our soul that, that can then shed some light on our own issues. And this is what our guest today has been able to accomplish with her writings. Jennifer Sienes was born to write but she put it off for years. She became a teacher, enjoyed that work, but the love and calling of writing never left her. When her daughter suffered a terrible accident, caused her to go through months of rehab due to a traumatic brain injury, her marriage falling apart, several other personal tragedies, she began writing. And today she's the author of several contemporary women's fiction and romance novels, but has now transitioned into romantic suspense novels. Through her tragedies, though, God has given her a gift that allows her to develop her characters and write with emotion that basically bridges the gap between the written page and the reader's heart. Help me welcome to the program, Jennifer Sienes. Jennifer, thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to come visit with us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Hey, man. Now, the first question I always start with, other than that brief information I just shared, can you tell us in your own words, who is Jennifer Sienes? Oh my gosh, that's a big question. Um, I am a child of God, first and foremost. <clears throat> and I, I'm an author, a mother, a wife, a Sunday school teacher, a gardener, a crafter. <laughs> I'm a little bit of everything. Amen. Amen. Now, you were called to write for many years before you actually yes. took the plunge. And you became, like I said, a my wife, mother, teacher. Why didn't you pursue writing even on a part-time basis back then? I think when I first started, when I first got the idea that I wanted to be a writer, I was 12 years old. So I did a lot of writing all through school. I even went to college and declared journalism as my major and Mm. realized very quickly that journalism is telling um, truth. It's not actually creating stories. And I wanted the fiction part of it. And so I made uh, probably an error. I, I wasn't walking closely with the Lord when I was younger. I went to church every Sunday. I was raised in a Catholic church. I never opened the Bible, never even knew, I, you know, nobody in my family did. They didn't encourage it. So I, I didn't really know how to connect with God in a real way and ask him what it is he wanted me to do with my life. So I got married at the age of 20. I had two kids 
and I would write. I wrote, did a lot of writing, but I had no idea what to do with it. And I didn't feel like I had lived anything worth writing about. I didn't have any strong emotion that happened and um, ended up going in, back to school to get my teaching degree because I, I felt like we needed uh, the income more than anything. And I felt called to do that too. I just wanted to make a difference in someone's life other than my children. So I did that and loved it. But then I just had a season of just one horrible thing after another and um, started with my, well, my son originally, my, it started with my son getting into some trouble. I did not find out until years later that he'd been sexually abused by a priest mm. that didn't come out until 10 years after the fact. And so there was a lot of dynamics. It was like Satan got a foothold into my home at that time. There were a lot of dynamics going on. He got into trouble because he was acting out from his anger and frustration and then um, he was in a skateboarding accident with two skull fractures, metaphyted. A year later, my daughter was in a car accident with with a, in a coma, traumatic brain injury. And a year after that, my husband walked out on me after 22 and some, some odd years of marriage. So it was um, just one thing after another. So that's what got me on my knees. That's when I realized I had been trying to hang on to control all these years and muscle it myself. And I was on my knees and I said, Lord, I am done. I will do whatever you want me to do. I'm yours. Just if you could bring something good in my life Amen. and change my life, it changed everything. So I um, started studying the Bible. A good friend of mine came the following week and said, Hey, our church is starting a new Beth Moore Bible study. Do you want to come? And I'm like, that's exactly what I need. Who's Beth Moore? I had no idea. <laughs> so I started um, studying the Bible. I went to several women's um, groups, um, attended a non-denominational church. Um, just to, I, I needed to get away from the Catholic church. There was, a, I, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody out there who's Catholic. We all have our beliefs. The way I was raised may not be the way you were raised in the Catholic church, but the way I was raised, you know, I, I was going through all this and I was told if you don't uh, get an annulment, you cannot get remarried. And if you don't do, you know, it was it just like, there was nothing I could do. So um, anyway, I ended up um, getting me remarried to a, a, a man who was actually a friend of mine. I joked, I did my first um, speaking engagement a couple of weeks ago. And the joke was that um, my, the man who was our chiropractor, our family chiropractor, um, he was the one I ended up marrying. But when my husband was leaving me, he said, you belong with Christianus. And I was mm-hmm. like, he never had a prophetic word in his life. So I, I, you know, I was joking saying if God could speak through Balaam's donkey, he could speak through my ex-husband. <laughs> so Chris asked me first off before we were even married, he said, if you could do anything but teach, what would you do? And I said, I would write. And so he was the one who said, if that's what God told you to do, if that's what God put on your heart, don't you think you should do that? Don't you think you should try it out and see where it goes? And that's where the writing, and I was writing when my daughter was in the hospital, she was in, um, she was in a coma for a week. She was in inpatient rehab. She had to learn everything from talking to walking to potty trained to swallowing everything. She was like a newborn baby at the age of 18 and had to relearn everything. 
And so I spent all, I got catastrophic leave from teaching and I spent all my time I could with her at, at the rehab facility. And she was sleeping a lot because TBI, you sleep a lot. So I brought my laptop and I started writing again. And it just really excited me to be able to write again. And that, that reignited that dream. So, you know how God uses things. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're taking care of your daughter, which you needed to do, but at the same time, God was getting you back into that groove. Exactly. Getting your dream going again. Amen. Exactly. And, and and so your daughter's accident basically was your wake up call to finally pursue writing. It was my wake up call to finally pursue God, I think, to really, I mean, I loved, I mean, I went to church every Sunday. I prayed all the time, but the rote prayers, you know, I felt like I kind of had a relationship with God, but it was my brother who was a born again Christian at that point. And I remember being at the hospital and he called me up and he goes, don't be angry with God over this. And I said, I'm not, I'm not angry with God. I don't blame God for this. I never would blame God for this. And he he started talking to me more and more about, um, uh, Christianity, you know, and the faith and all that. And so that gave me that opportunity. And, and he actually, when my husband left me, my brother was the one who gave me my first Bible. Mm. It was a birthday gift and it had a beautiful inscription inside of it about leaning on, leaning on Lord, the Lord mm-hmm. for what I needed rather than yeah. worrying about things that would happen. So, yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, is that when the, when your daughter was in the hospital going through rehab or everything, was that when the, the, book illusions was dropped into your spirit that that you started to write? I didn't start writing that yet. In fact, um, I thought about it later on. Um, It was actually when I had remarried and I was trying to come up with ideas for stories. And I wanted to use that because I had journaled through the whole thing. My vice principal who took me to the hospital when we discovered Nicole's accident, and that's a whole new thing. I actually saw the accident two weeks before it occurred. Mm. I had like a vision as I was driving to work after a, a battle with my daughter of them calling me into the office and saying that she'd been in the accident. And at two weeks later, that's exactly what happened. It's there. I think God was preparing my heart. Mm. But um, when I was thinking about it, I thought, okay, how can I take this incident and put it into a full story? Not, I didn't want to write my life. Because I'd been told by a really good mentor teacher, don't try to fictionalize truth. You know, truth is truth. You can take inspiration from it, but you you get tied up in all the facts. And then all of a sudden, the creativity is gone. So I wanted to find a way to use that in another story. And that's where Illusions was born. That was just a small component of a, a pastor's family who's falling apart because of all of this stuff the congregants are expecting. And... And I even use like my son getting into trouble. The Michael and Taylor, the kids in that story are basically my kids, mm. but everything else is not true. Yeah. Mm. Amen. So what's the book illusions about? It's about a pastor's family. It's about a, a, a daughter who discovers through high school experiment that her blood type is not clear. But so the daughter is always set up a ministry um, for blood donation. And so, but she'd never been able to donate blood. My own daughter always wanted to donate blood, but they wouldn't let you till you were 17. So the daughter discovers through blood typing experiment in her physiology class that she doesn't have the blood type she should if her mom and her dad were actually her biological parents. Mm -hmm. And that blows up in their faces. She rushes out and gets into the accident. And now it's the mother and father who have all this stuff happening in the church and all the problems that are coming down. And this is just one more thing that implodes the family. And wow. trying to find their way back to it. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
Yeah. That's a deep book. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's interesting because I had somebody actually say it should be in every um, church library because it really shows how the congregation put such pressure and the husband who's a pastor is um, not, he's so consumed with what everybody else thinks he's forgetting to follow what God wants him to do. And he's putting the wrong things first. Yeah. And that's part of the whole problem. Yeah. Amen. That happens a lot. I've seen yeah. it a lot. Yeah. So tell us about your book, Providence. Providence was inspired by you know, my brother who gave me my Bible. My Christian brother committed suicide. Mm. And when he committed suicide, it devastated me in a really big way. And um, I actually had a woman in Bible study say, oh, you know, your brother committed the un- un- unforgivable sin. He's in hell. You know that, right? She said that to me. And I, first of all, I straightened her out. I said, that's not the unforgivable sin. You know, that's grieving the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. first of all. And second of all, nobody but God is going to make that judgment. And my brother was a born-again Christian. He was evangelizing. He was doing missionary trips. But he had undiagnosed bipolar disorder. They diagnosed him as depression. They gave him the wrong medication. And just a, a lot of things that happened created that suicide. I don't think God punishes people because they create suicide. So suicide and mental illness is not something that's brought up in church very often. And I thought, well, how could I use this story, this inspiration from this story to bring about compassion and understanding for those that are going through these problems rather than judgment? If you just had enough faith, if you just had enough faith, you wouldn't have this problem. Mm-hmm. But that's not, that's just not the way it is. Right. Yeah. So that inspired a, a story about a family, a, a, a woman with three little kids whose husband commits suicide and she leaves her devastated, not knowing how she's going to pull it all together. Mm. So that's where that story came from. Yeah, they're deep, but so I do have fun stories too. They're not all, <laughs> they're not all that dark. Hey, oh, your first series was Apple Hill and, and correct yes. me if I'm wrong, but these books were contemporary woman's fiction and romance, but now you're transitioning into romantic suspense novels. Why well, I will be, I will be, I'm still on my contemporary. I moved to Tennessee from Northern California, which is where Apple Hill took place, moved to middle Tennessee. We're about an hour South of Nashville. Okay. And I wanted a series to reflect that Southern flavor. And so it's still women's fiction with a, a long, a strong element of romance. And I have my book, I've turned in book. One just came out last month. Book two, I turned into my publisher at the end of last month, which will come out in April. Book three, I haven't even started yet. But once book three is done and I have two novellas every year going along with it, a summer and a Christmas. Once that series is done, then I'm going to transition into it, but I'm just finishing up. This is called the Bedford County series. And I, when I finish that one up, it's going to go into romantic suspense. Amen. Amen. And and from what it sounds like, you use your life experiences to help create the characters of your books. Can you explain a little about how that works and some examples? I use a lot of, so my, my degree before I went into teaching was psychology. I love psychology. I love personality profiling and looking at how people tick and what makes them different. And I'm really big on the Enneagram because it's, I don't know if you've heard it. I'm sure you've heard of the Enneagram. So before I even start a book, I delve into a character. I delve into who that character is. And if I have the story in mind that I want, what would best fit, what character would best fit that storyline? You know, if you have, 
these issues going on, which character is going to to best display the brokenness? Because they're all broken. We're all broken. What's best display that brokenness? And I always have at least two points of view. I have a female point of view and a male point of view. Um, first, and I write in the first person narrative. Uh, Apple Hill was in present tense, which I know some people don't like. Um, the rest of my writing is all in past tense. But my critique group says, I don't know what it is, but you write the male character stronger than the female character. What is that all about? Like, they're so believable. And I'm like, I have no idea. But I, so I like to have both characters. I like to have more than one point of view because we, our life is more, you know, if yeah. going through a divorce, I could sit here and say, this is all my ex-husband's fault. He did this and he did that. Well, that's one point of view. His perspective may be completely different. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's good to get a balancing of the points of view, I think. Amen. Well, who is Tess O'Shea? Oh, Tess O'Shea, she's this is one of the fun books. This wasn't super deep. Tess O'Shea is a is a daughter of uh Sean O'Shea, who is an, uh, a restaurant owner. Sean and his Italian wife, they own Bella Casina restaurant in Placerville, California. It is not a real restaurant, but it is a real place. And he's Irish and his wife was Italian. And so you put an Italian Irish daughter and here you've got redheaded, fiery Tess O'Shea, who's got the spirit of her father and the spirit of her mother combined into one character. And she's left her father at beginning of the story. Her father has passed away Mm -hmm. and she's left with not only the restaurant, but she's left with the home and the guardianship of her 16 year old sister. But if she does not work along with Jake, um, I'm getting all my people mixed up. So Jake <laughs> is the female character of that. Um, anyway, Jake, I think it's Holland, is the male character in there. And that was a long time ago when I wrote that book. Oh, really? So Jake okay. um, is managing the restaurant and Tess doesn't have a whole lot to do with it. And she doesn't know him that well. And all of a sudden he's thrown into here. If you don't work with Jake, everything will get handed over to him. I want you to do this. You need to, oh, you need to go back to school. You need to get your doctorate or your whatever you were going to do because she quit school to take care of her mom who had cancer. So he puts all these contingencies in there that and she doesn't understand why he's being so pushy and he's dead. He's pushy. And so it throws her and Jake together and it's very contentious on her part. And she doesn't want to go back to school. And there's a reason there's this. All of my stories have a little mystery involved. <laughs> and there's a reason she quit school beyond the, the what what her parents believed to be true. And so all this is happening to throw them together, but to get her back on track where she's supposed to be in her life. Amen. Amen. Does that give you a, an answer? Yeah, that's kind of a short, yeah. short version. <laughs> Amen. Uh, you're a believer. You love the I, Lord. How does that message come through your work as a writer? Yeah, I've discovered the stronger um, or the longer I should say that I walked with the Lord, the stronger my faith. I cannot write without that message being portrayed. There's always scripture in there. There's always a brokenness, um, a a difficulty with the relationship with the Lord that needs to be fixed in order for them to navigate through the problems. And a lot of times people will blame the God for whatever happens in their life. They blame him for the circumstances that they're in rather than seeing that God has a plan and a purpose in it. And so my stories usually cover the sovereignty of God, um, how he's working in the difficulties in our life, what, what the enemy me- means for evil, God will always use for good if we let yeah. him. Amen. And so it's woven in all of my stories, that faith message. 
um, the belief and the hope in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and how we have nothing beyond that, that we really need to cling to that. So that's in every book I write. Amen. Amen. What are some of the takeaways that you want your readers to gain by reading your books? I want them to um, I want them to see that our, our hope is in the person of Jesus Christ. We have nothing without that. And that just because we go through difficulties, quite often those difficulties is what the Lord's using to hone our character for his plan, for our good and his glory. And they're not easy. I mean, how many times you open up a devotional and it talks about, you know, just you, you go through stuff. He's honing, honing that character. And I really believe that God is more concerned with our character than what we're going to accomplish for him. Yeah. What are we going to come through that? And we can't accomplish anything. I want people to see that in my stories that they're not accomplishing much in any way without that connection and walk with their faith in order to see that God is a sovereign in their life in their life and what they're doing and they need that yeah. it's a, it's it, we desperately need to understand how the sovereignty of God works amen yeah that is because so too many people don't understand that they they look at their circumstances and they blame God or they walk away from their faith or you know if God loved me he'd do this or that but they don't understand that he's got such a bigger plan involved yeah beyond our brokenness and our sinfulness, he can use it. I mean, just look at the heroes of the Bible, you know, Moses and Abraham and the lives that they went through before they ever, David, you know, they all had failures. They all were broken and they they didn't have it easy, but they're heroes because they kept the faith and that doesn't change. The Bible isn't, is just as effective for today as it was when it was first written. Amen. Yeah, that's true. And you know, you just said that and reminded me of my life, basically. I mean, you know, back 40 years ago, uh, there was a unique situation that turned what I thought at the time, you know, God had abandoned me type thing. And no, he was just transitioning me into the next phase of life. That if that would not have happened, then I would not be sitting here today. Right. It would have taken an entirely different direction. And so, yeah, I absolutely agree. You know, Uh, the series you're currently working on is Bedford County. You mentioned that. Yes. I think you published the first book already, but can you explain the background for the series Bedford County? Well, Bedford County is a small county here in Middle Tennessee. And I called it Bedford County because the story is tied to the place, just like Apple Hill. Each of those stories could be read individually without missing a beat. Bedford County, they can be read individually. They're just tied together by the county that they're, they, they're in. And it's, there's Southern fiction, so it's a new flavor of writing for me. You know, um, I'm, it takes, I have a, a gal in my critique group. We, I, we have, there's three of us, and she was the only one of us that was born and raised in Tennessee. So she's my Southern speaker, you know, detector. She's the one that goes through and says, oh, I would change this to that, or... I, I don't think somebody would really say that, which helped me to really get that flavor down because it's different. I mean, if you live in the South, I don't, I'm not really sure where you're from. I don't remember where you were yeah. from. I'm from Michigan um, originally. Michigan. Okay. Yeah, but I spent 20 years down in Texas and Louisiana. So yeah. So if you're in the South, it's not the same, right? You know, yeah. there's a, there's a cultural difference. There's a, there's a, a real love for the Lord in that Bible belt. Yep. Maybe not everybody does, but you can't walk into anywhere without 
seeing scripture on the wall or Christian music being played. It's just different. Mm-hmm. And and the the beauty that's here, I wanted that to be part of the setting. And I wanted the setting to be almost like a character of the story. You know, the first time I walked in the evening in the summer and saw the fireflies all over the place and smelled the magnolia blossoms coming off these trees and those magnolia blooms were as big as my head. And all the differences that are here, the green coming from California, um, they call it the golden state for a reason. And it's not because it's so golden. It's more because it's brown most of the time. It's so dry. And we have rain here. Um, we have rain here most of the year. And so it's lush and green and, and really pretty. And I just wanted that to be part of the story. But again, it's the characters. So the first book um, I wrote in the Bedford County series is called Night Songs. And it's about a woman named Charlie who's made some really bad choices in her life. And at the end, she's, she has a, a husband who's a cheater and he's a country music wannabe. And she's left with nothing at, except her grandmother's old farmhouse out in Bedford County, out in Shelbyville in the country. And <clears throat> she has to reinvent herself. And she uses a past. And again, her parents were killed. They were missionaries in the Congo. And they were killed when she was a child. And she was sent back to Tennessee at a tw- as a 12-year-old to be raised by her grandparents. Mm. And so here she is in this whole situation trying to refigure her life. And there's a mystery. You know, she was told how her parents were died, how her parents died in a car accident. But she keeps finding little things here and there in her grandma's house that shows that that might not be the case. Mm. So there's a mystery in that mm. as well. Oh, I love mystery. That's why I want to go to romantic yeah. suspense. I love mystery. <laughs> so what does the future hold for your writing? Well, I, um, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm probably full-time writer as it is with marketing, writing and everything I'm doing. So um, I turned in my second book, my third book, I haven't even started yet. Once that, like I said, then I'm, I'm off to doing another full series and it's going to be still in the South. I don't know, maybe I'll shift it around some in different places, not always in Tennessee. And um, I'm just doing a lot of writing. Like I said, I do two novellas, a Christmas and a summer novella every year. Mm. Um, my, my publisher asked if I would take part in, they call it the, she called it the 2022 Castle Christmas Collection. And there's a, a multitude of authors, each writing their own Christmas novella centered around a castle. And so I chose to do mine historical fiction. So it takes place in Ireland. I've never done historical fiction. So that was fun. Got that turned in last month as well. So just seeing what God puts on my heart and where I go from here, what, whatever stories he wants me to tell, I'll tell. I do, I do pray though, that no more of my own um, tragedy has to be put in here. Like I could create it from somebody else's tragedy (laughs) and not have to live it myself in order to create the stories. Um, because there is, there is a lot of that going on too. Amen. Who's your publisher? Celebrate Lit Publishing. It's a small Amen. publishing place outside of Southern California. Okay. Amen. Amen. You know, as I was preparing for this interview, there was one thing I found that I just have to ask you about. Uh-oh. <laughs> I need to know what inspiration you receive from Gracie and Einstein. Oh, (laughs) well, they're my dogs. So uh, Einstein actually, before we moved here, he was 15 years old. The day before his 15th birthday, he had a stroke and died. He was a little Bichon. So Einstein is is a character, um, 
and his name is Dashiell in Providence. So Einstein gets to be in Providence. Gracie really is just a little side character. She hasn't been put in a book yet. She just turned 15 in February. So she'll probably find her way in there. But I do like dogs. Night Songs has a big old German Shepherd mixed dog that just shows up. And, um, and, and Charlie Van Cleve is the main character. And she doesn't do dogs, but this dog will not leave her alone. So she finds herself connected to this dog. And then the this, the novella I'm writing right now, the Christmas novella, has a couple of um, Beaucerons in there. And I'd never even seen a Beauceron, so I did some research on them. Beautiful dogs. And so they get to take part. So dogs aren't in all my stories, but I, I think people connect with animals really well. Yeah. I, and I, you know, I'm to all those cat lovers out there, I apologize. I don't, I don't do cats. I'm allergic to cats. So I've never gotten close to a cat because they make my eyes swell shut. So Amen. I have dogs. I do have dogs though. <laughs> Amen. Amen. There, uh, I, I can't remember what book it was on. I seen the picture with Einstein. It had the glasses on something like that. I was yeah. like, oh, that is so cute. So yeah, he's, really he was a pretty cute, he was a pretty cute boy. He's missed. So yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, Jennifer, this has been so interesting. And, and to hear the inspiration and backstory to, to some of your works, how can someone order your books? Are they on Amazon? They are on Amazon. You can go to my website and there are other, some of them are linked to Barnes and Noble. You can order them through Barnes and Noble. You just have to ask them to get them, but they are all on Amazon. And that's mm-hmm. probably the easiest way to get them. Okay. And if someone has a question or would like to get in touch with you, maybe do an interview like this. How can they do that? How can someone get in touch with you? My website is jennifersienis.com. I've got contacts on there. I've got a media page on there with with a lot of different things, um, videos and podcasts, and all my books are on there. And um, so I'm I'm pretty available. And find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. I have a Jennifer Sienis author Facebook page. So I'm pretty much everywhere. Amen. Amen. I'll put some of those links down in the show notes below. Folks, sometimes we just need to let our imaginations take over in order to guide us through basically the daily turmoil in our life. Jennifer Santa's books help you do just that, but also keeps the core message relevant throughout the books. I urge you to go down the show notes, go down the show notes down below, click the links, order one or more of her books right now, order the entire series and just immerse yourself into the story and matter of fact you know they say christmas in july well folks you can start ordering christmas presents right now if you have someone (laughs) that you want to get these books to use them as christmas gifts praise god i mean this is stuff that that will minister to your spirit but without being overtly in your face with it amen and that's the purpose of a good story amen to bottom line but it kind of slides right in on you. And before you realize it, you get it. Amen. Jennifer, thank you for taking the time to come on the program today. I do appreciate it. Thank you. Amen, Folks, that is all the time we have for today. For Jennifer Sienna's myself, this is Pastor Bob reminding you, be blessed in all that you do. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published. With over 800 interviews and 1,000 published episodes, Pastor Bob is known as a podcasting expert for helping others to create their own podcast to share their messages with the world. Please visit our website at www.podcastersforchrist.com. That web address again is www.podcastersforchrist.com for more information. 
Until next time, be blessed in all that you do. Are you a Christian entrepreneur, coach, or author with a message that needs to be heard? Picture this, your voice reaching thousands, your story inspiring hearts, and your business flourishing like never before. Introducing Faithcasters, the ultimate platform that connects faith-driven professionals like you with the power of podcasting. Become a sought-after guest on Faith-Based Podcast. Share your unique insights and connect with like-minded individuals who share your passion for faith and entrepreneurship as well. Imagine your expertise reaching a wider audience, expanding your network, and propelling your business to new heights. Well, it's all within reach with Faithcasters. So don't wait. Take the first step today on your journey to greatness by visiting our website at faithcaster.org. That's faithcaster.org. Join the Faithcasters community now and unleash the full potential of your faith-driven enterprise. You do not want to miss this opportunity. Faithcasters, where faith meets podcasting and your dreams become reality. Visit faithcaster.org. Let's soar together. And remember, anyone can be a podcaster, but only a Christian can become a faithcaster. Faithcasters, your voice, your platform, your success.